We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, in a few moments, we're going to take a break from a lot of this coverage of the speaker's race and uh, uh, even the wars overseas and visit with a new guest, Ken Raposa. Uh, Ken Raposa is uh, a longtime journalist who especially reports on uh, and advocates for American manufacturing and a very interesting guy. He sent me an article and and a, a commentary on Chinese solar panels and how messed up it is that we're spending billions of dollars, uh, tax dollars in the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which is doing nothing of the sort. Uh, and we're spending that money on Chinese made solar panels. But we we're, we talked offline and we're going to actually speak more about this DOD report, Department of Defense, on the increase and in the size of the massive Chinese military. And um, if you stick with me through the program, I'm going to finish today with a conversation on military superiority. And that's a doctrine that says you, why you've got to be bigger and better than your enemies to protect yourself and your allies. Uh, and we'll talk about that in its history. It goes all the way back to George Washington, uh, at least as um, Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly articulates it. So uh, we'll speak with him and we'll also catch up with Cheryl Chumley. Cheryl Chumley is, um, I would say, first of all, she's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And she's also uh, a longtime uh, conservative, very um, identifies very publicly her Christianity and her faith. And she I want to see what she says about Mike Johnson, because a lot of folks that obviously knew who he was didn't know he was going to be speaker. And she writes over at the uh, Washington Times. She's an online editor over there, has a podcast. She's a really neat lady. We'll see what she has to say uh, today. And we haven't talked to her in a while. So so we will get to that uh, in a few moments. Uh, but first, uh, let me uh, pause and bring us um, out uh, of the um, realm of what is happening um, in terms of the ongoing Israeli-Hamas um, conflict, and remind you of this, and remind you how dangerous this is. I think this will be, and for lots of reasons that have to do with politics, it will be certainly so, this will be the most widely broadcast war we've ever seen. In other words, you know, to be glib about it, the, the war will be televised. And to be even more a point blank, the 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 killing will be televised. And it, it just is a matter of it's true. Um, you know what Hamas did. It's a terrorist organization. They have stockpiled a bunch of uh, a bunch of fuel and the, the hospitals in Palestine, excuse me, in, in Gaza are running out of fuel. But the Hamas, the terrorists aren't. Um, they've been they've been planning this. The, the the planning it took to do the massive invasion of Israel it was not minor, and they planned for the aftermath. So they have fuel, which means they have energy, which means they have the ability to charge and utilize their cell phones and get images out, and they are going to make that a priority. And so this massive undertaking, which I I I, I st- stand I stand firmly on the side that Israel has to do whatever they have to do to get rid of Hamas. 
to take on the Hamas thing. And I don't know how you can imagine living in that community in Israel at, at this point. It, with next door to you, such an obvious, blatant terror organization, maybe more than ever, they showed their colors. Uh, I mean, they've certainly said uh, for years things like what they did, but they did it this time. And so at the, what we have to consider is that there is going to be a, um, a, a televised aspect of this that's going to be really pretty haunting. And you can say, well, they're going to try to block it out. Israel's going to try to block things out and try to take down the satellites and all those kinds of things. But they're not going to be able to do it sufficiently. They're not going to be able to do it 100%. And the fact is that they're going to go at charging forward, uh, and they're going to have to do what they're doing. But it's going to be dramatically, it's going to be dramatically televised. It's going to be dramatically, uh, the images will be available throughout the world at all times. And so it's going to cause a different set of problems than we've ever seen before in this situation. It's going to cause a different set of uh, reactions. And so I'm not sure what that means, except I will say this. Distrust, then verify, has to rule the day. My doctrine, distrust, then verify, especially has to rule the day when it comes to video and it comes to photos coming from a war zone, because it will be managed by the forces that want it to be propaganda. They are not going to uh, say things like, oh, well, we need to be truthful at this point. For the people of Israel, the truth is they have to survive and they have to do whatever they need to do to survive. And frankly, the terrorists are going to say the same things to themselves. They're not justified in it, but that's what they're going to say to themselves. And so we're in this position where whatever you see or hear, you have to put this distrust, then verify a filter on. It's one of the reasons why Well, I ask her about it. Uh, Cheryl Chumley said that there was a uh, Washington Times um, was thinking of sending her over to Israel to cover uh, the um, the. Um, uh, events there because she has a lot of contacts there and she spent times there time there and and you want more voices that you actually can trust because I would trust Cheryl Chumley she wouldn't lie to me she wouldn't lie to us but everything else especially that you're seeing in terms of videos in terms of uh, uh, of uh, photos I, I would say you have to um, distrust and verify dramatically. And I, I, I fear we're going to be misled somewhat dramatically, too. I mean, if you think that the American public was misled when Colin Powell claimed that there was weapons of mass destruction and, and it turns out there wasn't uh, whatever the lies that were told to him to get us to that point, that's a different category of um, misleading. That was a sort of intelligence uh, effort, a disinformation, however you want to call it. But we're going to see something different. Because they're going to upload to X and upload to uh, Telegram and upload to places, images and videos that are going to send people into uh, uh, rage and sadness and everything else. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. And um, which let's allow me to segue to another point. I will. Maybe I'll ask Ken Raposa about this when we talk to him in a few moments. Think about how insane it is that one of our true enemies now you can call him a rival if you want. I'd say they're an enemy at this point, which is the communist Chinese regime is controlling the absolutely positively growing every day, the growing force that is TikTok. And it's growing. They're announcing that they're going to go up to 15 minutes. I think it's at 10 minutes now, the length of the videos, the maximum. They're going to go to 15 minutes on TikTok. I mean, TikTok is dominating American life. And the communist Chinese admit that the company has the ability 
They call it a heat button. They can take a topic or a video and they can hit the heat button and it will accelerate the attention on that topic, on that video. That's what the Chinese communists admit. We don't even know what else they have. And so imagine what they're going to do in this country, in America, in the West, with the ability to deliver images and videos from the war zone. And whose side are they on? The communist Chinese have tried to play all sides as, and you know, whether it's, whether it's um, uh, the strategic alliances with, uh, with other nations or just the silence on the topic. I mean, there has been some relationships between the Chinese communists and Israel. I have to say that that is, that's fair to, I don't want to ignore that, but the real question will be what is, who is in control of the propaganda? Remember it when in world war two, for example, the Americans spent a lot of time, And a lot of energy, a lot of money, putting out voices, telling our side, propaganda, real. That's In a war, you can't not do that. You can't take off the table that part of the war, the fight. You have to have communication of all these issues and all these things in the way that helps your side to win and to hold morale and to go forward. Well, you know who doesn't want to have morale held? The communist Chinese doesn't feel like it in America. And so watch what's going to happen when we see images of war zones. And, and it started, you know, the, the, the ground invasion started, I guess, into, into Gaza. And I, I, again, I don't know when or how it will stop. I hope, it's, I hope it goes quickly and I hope it is successful and I hope it stops everything. And then there is a way to control things. But I, I'm not sure how it's going to play out. But I am sure we are going to be whipsawed by people who want us to believe things that aren't true or believes things that are true as uh, something larger than they are. You know, we had the situation where we were told the hospital was hit by Israelis and the hospital was hit by Palestinian uh, Hamas weapons, uh, missiles, and then it it didn't hit anything. I don't even know if we know the truth yet. But the combination of video and, and, uh, and photos, and this war will be televised. You know, this war will be on X. And when it is, it's going to change us. And, and then... I think X will be relatively fair. I think X will be wide open to the truths, but I think TikTok's not going to be. I think they're going to be delivering a message, controlling a message fairly dramatically. Why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't the communist Chinese want to? So there's quite a lot going on. So keep an eye on that. That's going to be something to watch. It's going to be something to be concerned about. But don't 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 forget, go back to distrust, then verify. Distrust, then verify. The starting point is I don't believe that. Even if I see it, even if I hear it, Even if you tell me, I don't believe it until I can verify. And if you can verify it, then you can move ahead. I I think that's got to be where we are. I mean, I know that's where we got to be. That's where I am. Everything I see, that's that's how I think about it. And I I guess I didn't do a review yet of the uh, JFK, Oliver Stone updated JFK documentary. It's unbelievable. Talk about distrust and verify. That'll make you distrust everything. So we got to take a break. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. A lot more coming back. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. As usual, my conversation off air just now with our next guest would have been, I should have recorded it and we could have been talking about it because uh, Ken, Rapo- uh, let me get it right, Ken, and I did should have done an off word. Raposa, Raposa, Ken Raposa is I over think. at the Coalition uh, for Prosperous America. It's important that you learn about not just Ken, this organization, because exclusively representing American manufacturers and producers. And it what's, uh, we can have this conversation, Ken, we're going to, we're going 
going to talk about China, but you know, it, 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 even ten years ago, representing American manufacturers and producers, it, you were just being steamrolled by international trade and multilateral trade deals and all this stuff, and it was like whoa. And now, the, I think this coalition uh, that Ken is at, and also uh, the American manufacturers, I have some friends in that industry. They are uh, really uh, using their muscle to say, hey, what are we going to do? Ken Repose himself is a longtime a business journalist, um, Boston Globe, a Wall Street Journal has been uh, abroad, and uh, and so. Uh, the conversation today, though, we were initially going to be drawn to talking about China and solar. But there is a report just a few days ago from the Department of Defense that basically describes how China, the communist Chinese regime, has become a military power. Ken, um, what happened here? You, you made a statement off air that it was something like 10 years ago they were making Happy Meals in China. And now they've got you know one of the world's great uh, military powers. How they do this? What's going on here? Right, right. So, sure, let's talk a little bit about the report. So every year, the Department of Defense writes a report to Congress and says, here's where we think uh, China is in terms of the military realm. Uh, And the gist of it was that China's military is bigger and better than ever. They have more aircraft carriers than than they've ever had before. They have a fighting force larger than anything in in the, you know, comparable to the United States. And as the Department of Defense said, they're in it to win it. They can fight battles and they can win battles. So I want you to think back of, you've all heard about the BRICS. I'm sure your listeners have heard about the BRICS, big emerging market countries. And does the United States worry about the Russian military? I would say no. We were, I mean, we grew up thinking the Russian military was the baddest military in the world other than our own. And we don't worry about them. We're ready to go to war with them, you know, in a proxy war in Ukraine. We'll do it in Syria. We're fighting the Russians. We've been fighting the Russians military since 2000 and probably 2014. Right. Okay, so we're not worried about them. The DOD is not even mentioning them in their report, other than the fact that China works with Russia to you know do business with them on oil and gas and maybe get right. some military equipment from them. That's it. Are we worried about Brazil? No, no one cares about Brazil. Mexico. Does Mexico even have an army? I, I don't even know if they do. It's probably run by the cartels. No one in Africa, no one in Indonesia, Saudi Arabia, not worried about it. So India, they're our friend. We're not worried about them. India makes our C-130 Hercules plane, so we're certainly not worried about them in that regard because you know they're, they're our military partner. How did China get there then? How did China go from a happy meal toy making economy in you know 1999 and 2000 to the, one of the to the second biggest military in the world and one our defense department is, is worried about? Well, I'll tell you how. Since China entered the World Trade Organization, American multinationals couldn't wait to turn China into the industrial power that it is today. Everything that we made here was just made there. So China got rich fast, certainly faster than Brazil. You go to Shanghai, it's way better than Sao Paulo. There's nothing comparable. Hmm. We've Since the mid-2000s, Wall Street pressured China to open up its market so they could invest in securities in China. And China finally said, okay, we'll do it. And so everything with the ticker symbol in China is invested in by the likes of Vanguard and BlackRock. And so what does that mean? The shipyard that built the large Fujian aircraft carrier that rivals the Gerald R. Ford that's now floating off the coast of uh, Israel was invested in that shipyard was invested in by Vanguard and BlackRock. Okay, So you have an entire industry that was propped up by American capital that offshored industrial industrial might to China. Right. And you have an entire Wall Street apparatus that invests in everything from China, including defense contractors that this DOD is so up in arms about. But Wall Street just has been throwing money their way for about 10 years now. 
Uh, Ken, uh, Ken uh, Raposa is our guest. Uh, he's over, uh, uh, among other places, you'll see him writing all over the place, but Prosper- prosperousamerica.org is the website. I'll put it up on social media. Uh, Ken, you know, in the early 2000s, uh, the China gets most favored nation status. So there's a big thing the late Phyllis Schlafly, my old boss, wrote about and talked about, wait, what are we doing here? They got in. And as you say, then Wall Street said this is, you know, but we were in a war. I mean, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. So we had our own uh, situation. I mean, did 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 anybody did they know this was happening and they just weren't going to worry about it? I mean, is that or or was it uh, I mean, why wasn't DOD writing a report uh, 15 years ago, 18 years ago saying, hey, we're seeing that maybe they were. And what are we going to do about it? Well, they weren't. They definitely weren't, because the idea that at the time was that this backwater nation full of people who mix cement and flip flops and make Christmas lights for your house during the Christmas season. These guys aren't going to be anything but people who are making your KitchenAid equipment for the rest of our lives. And so we can we could be we're a consumer society. We could make electronics there and they're not going to really rise up and do anything. And they're not going to challenge the United States. Well, they were in for a rude awakening, as we all know, the most favored nation status, which means all that means pretty much every nation in the world has it. If you're a WTO member, you have it with the United States. That just means that you get access to the U.S. market at the lowest possible tariff rate, which is like 3.5%. Mm-hmm. That's all MFN means, most favored right. nation. So did they know? No, because they just thought that China was going to become maybe one big Japan in their expert ge- genius thinking. They thought China was going to become one big Japan and then it would be one big democracy and all, all would be well. In the time when that decision was being made, Bill Clinton, who was the one who brought China into the World Trade Organization, his argument was that if we don't do it, then Europe's going to sign a trade deal with China. And then, you know, China will be, you know, Europe's manufacturing hub. Mm-hmm. You see, that's what yeah. they worried about. They wanted China to be America's manufacturing hub. And they got it. And that is why, and I will say this to you, that is why you have the CEO of Raytheon this summer saying, I can't de- decouple from China. I can't uh, you know, source things elsewhere. I have a thousand partners in China. Let that sink in. I have a thousand partners in China that I can't make a Patriot missile with without. Mm-hmm. So you got the DOD worried about China. But Chinese, but Chinese electronics are in the nuclear submarines and electric boat in Groton, Connecticut. Chinese rare earth metals are in the electro- electromagnetic, sl- electromagnetic slings that fling F-15 and whatever the squadron is off, off of uh, the Gerald R. Ford. That's Chinese equipment. If it's not Chinese equipment, then it's Chinese rocks and processing that made that magnet. So they can't do anything without China. And they got themselves into this mess. How they get out, that remains to be seen. Well, and that's okay. So that's what I was going to say. Ken Raposa is our guest. And Ken, literally, I think you've lived lived and worked all over the world. I mean, you've been in all these big cities, developing nations and all. I mean, developing, uh, developed nations, developing parts of the world. You know, now we've got China sitting with this massive military. When the when the I mean, this is simplistic, but when the communist, the Soviet communists were ramping up, trying to be a a rival, it felt like they wanted to be militaristic rivals. China, communist Chinese, it feels like maybe I'm just, you know, sort of reading their press clippings. It feels like they want to build up their military, but they're more interested in being economically dominant in the world. And and by the way, this is an indication it's working. You know, they've got their economy going enough that they can develop their military and ours. So, I mean, is are we headed towards a hot war or are we headed towards uh, starving ourselves out because we've got ourselves upside down? Well, you're exactly right on China not wanting to be like the Soviet Union in terms of we're just going to be guys that make missiles and weapons and we're ready to fight. Mm 
Right. China does not want to do that. China wants to be an economic power. It wants to use soft power, just like the United States uses for years around the world. It wants to create corporate brands that are popular around the world, just like the United States did for years with Coca-Cola and McDonald's. Okay. Right. And what do you have? You have you have China on your. Not only do you have Chinese made goods in your house, that's that's irrelevant because those are Chinese made goods, but they're an American brand like KitchenAid I mentioned earlier, right? right. Or maybe Ralph Lauren towel set in your bathroom. Right. But what about TikTok? That's Chinese. What about the Lenovo computer? What about Lexmark computers and printers in in your office? That's China. That's a Chinese company now. That's a Chinese brand. That's a Chinese right. brand. So, you know, that that's what China wants as well. So unlike the Soviet Union, which just wanted to be a, a military might, China does not want to do that. Now, the DOD does reference in its report that China says the reason why we're building this military as big and fast as we, we are is because the West's saber rattling. So they blame the United States. And there probably is some truth in that if I'm putting on my Chinese you know hat and becoming a, you know, morphing into a Chinese intelligence analyst, I would say, okay, well, if, China, if the U.S. wants to do this, then we, be, we better prepare because who knows what they're going to do uh, in our backyard someday. they got a lot of allies in, in this area, and we have to be prepared for them. So that's one reason. Another thing that DOD mentions that China says right. is that they want to be a dominant force in supply chains. So that means the things I mentioned earlier, like the rare earths that go into making magnets that right. are used the electromagnetic slings, uh, right. okay, uh, yeah. geo, that GPS systems, and so on. So they, they want to control those supply chains or be huge players in those supply chains. That's important. And what does that relate to? Well, of course, that relates to the economic might of China yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so, Ken, I, Ken, unfortunately, Ken, I'm out of time. Ken Repose is our guest, uh, and, and fantastic. ProsperousAmerica.org. Uh, you can find out more of his writings there. Uh, I will put it up. We'll have you back again. Uh, thank you for putting me onto that story, and, and it's an important one, this DOD report. So much happening and so much in the world, and uh, so, uh, Ken Raposa, uh, appreciate it very much. We got to take a break, though. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, checking in with our friend Cheryl Chumley. She's over at the Washington Times. Excuse me. She's the online opinion editor. Uh, more valuable in my mind is she writes there, commentaries, and also does a podcast called Bold and Blunt. No disrespect to the people you edit, but I like to hear your voice, uh, Cheryl. And so, I, and she's also the author of a number of books, including Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom, and Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise, or America Will Fall. And that's what I thought when I realized that you were uh, you and I were going to talk today Cheryl is welcome back and it's un- it's really unbelievable to see a speaker of the house who's so clearly identifiably conservative and more specifically uh, an avowed and very public Christian conservative I-, I don't know if there's been something like him in- in a hundred years, I, I don't know when it would be before the time of the modern, you know, Republicans and Democrats where they don't like to ever talk about religion. And if you get to a high enough level, you, you say things about your faith is personal, but it, he, it's an extraordinary thing to have speaker Mike Johnson. What is your, what was your reaction? What are your thoughts? Uh, how do you react to it? Well, pretty much the same as you. And thank you for having me. I, I love chatting with you, Ed. And Mike Johnson, what a win, right? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like when when we had Supreme Court justices appointed by Donald Trump that uh, were pro-life, right? This is something that is really going to have an influence on on the House and on politics from our federal level for a foreseeable future. The, the fact that he is so open about his faith, to me, that is the number one issue that is 
problematic in America, that Americans have turned away from God. This has opened the door for big, bigger, biggest government to come in. And that's why we have all these problems right now. So the natural solution is to turn back to God. And what a message to stand there and open his leadership position with a public prayer. This is a very big deal. It's uh, it was it's extraordinary to watch. And here's the thing I think that people miss. And this is, again, Cheryl Chumley's our guest. And, and as a long term observer and uh, of uh, politics and a participant in, you know, organizing and faith communities and all. I, th- I wonder how you see this. But one part of this is Mike Johnson, Speaker Johnson, will be able to say to guys like me, hey, hang in there. You know, I'm with you. There's going to be dog meat in the next CR. It's going to happen. But he's going to be able to buy time and buy, you know, g- g- getting it's like. It's like Donald Trump. Donald Trump was not conservative enough for me, but I kept thinking, you know, he got us here. I think I better give him a chance. Right. I I don't really like some of his appointments. I don't really like some of how he's he's positioning some of the social issues. But in general, as you point out, judges and other things. So Speaker Johnson, in in just a pure politics, he gives the Republicans the most room to, I think, you know, make an argument for 2024. He sends a narrative that he's going to fight, right? And I think for conservatives in America, and this is why Trump maintains such popularity, for conservatives, for too long, we have seen our political leaders go to Capitol Hill, uh, campaigning on one promise, but then when they get there, they deal-make, they go behind closed doors, and they cut deals with Democrats. And everything that comes out of Capitol Hill is sort of wishy-washy on the conservative angle. And so now we have a speaker. Already, he came out and he He sent the message with this mass shooting that we just saw. Now's not the time to discuss gun control. Can you imagine, right, (laughs) Speaker McCarthy saying that? Or he just he sets the narrative and sets the direction. And for those who think similarly in America, whether in politics, in media or just around the, uh, the dinner table with families to hear that type of strong stance, unafraid, bold, right, coming from the speaker, that just motivates and inspires us all to keep up the fight. Well, and it also it's um it's confounding because he's a nice guy. You know, he's yes. not it's hard to it's hard. He actually is a smaller guy. You know, he's not he he doesn't really um even when he's going back and forth with people uh in his um in his uh committee work, he's not the one that gets sneering. I get sneering, you know, I'd my Irish would get up and I'd be sneering and I'd be making rolling my eyes and all. He he just is this kind of litigator thing going on. So my question, Cheryl, is this. Can he succeed? I mean, it's a brutal job, period. I don't you know, I always tell people, be careful. There's no one other than Pelosi on their side. She pulls it off on our side. You end up, you know, Boehner, McCarthy, Gingrich, uh, you know, one after another ends up uh, finishing an unceremonious Paul Ryan fairly unceremoniously. And I wonder how that's going to turn out for him. Well, I'm actually pretty optimistic on that because my instinct when I first heard of him and was like, Mike Johnson, who's that? And so I did my due diligence and started uh, researching him and his prayer and his faith and his strong, um, humble stance reminds me very much of Mike Pompeo, right? Mm-hmm. Mike Pompeo, who withstood all storms and was left standing, one of the few who was still standing at the end of the Donald Trump administration. And he didn't cave on his principles. He put faith out there. He stood 
stood strong by it. And from that faith, he drew strength to continue the America first, limited government, constitutional type of principles that conservatives have craved for for so long in America. And I see similarities already, just mostly from an instinct now, but also with, with his profession of faith between Mike Johnson and Mike Pompeo. And if he goes the way of Mike Pompeo, then yes, I have to say he's going to be a success. Uh, Shel Trumley's our guest again. If you go over to Washington Times, she's uh, writes over there as a commentary writer. She also edits their online uh, opinion page and also has a podcast that's really good, bold and blunt. Her voice is great on there, and, and she has great guests. Um, Cheryl, sliding over to Israel, we can't uh, not uh, talk about it. In fact, I think when you and I were talking or texting one time, you were just over there a few months ago visiting, and so you may be comment on that. But uh, a different question again: observing politics, uh, such a horrendous terrorist attack by Hamas, horrendous, and and really exists existential threat. And I, and from my, from my side of the aisle, it's like, hey, you you got to be able to fix that, Israel, and nobody should tell you anything but, you know, get out of your way or help. Uh, but on the left, they, they're tearing themselves apart because they want to be sympathetic to the terrorist uh, organizations. And, and they're they, it's exposing this great um, uh, chasm. But Cheryl, there's also on the on the conservative side, the, there's a, a a younger set of folks that's saying, "Hey, wait a second, um, America first. I, I don't want to fight wars everywhere. Keep us out of a war with Iran." It's really a, a, a the, the positions aren't as clean or as clear in sort of both sides of the aisle right now, and it's it's a, it's a bit confounding to understand where it's all going. And, and part of the reason it, uh, for the lack of clarity here and a little bit of wishy-washiness on some of the younger conservatives, younger Republicans, has to do in no small part to the fact that this White House is so weak, right? Yeah. And, and you you get conflicting messages coming out of this White House with people in the executive branch conflicting, uh, uh, making public statements that directly are opposed to what Joe Biden has said. And then we see uh, his spokespeople having to come out, take to the White House podium and clarify and correct and so forth. So when you see that unfolding in America, it is difficult to be on board with what Joe Biden puts out because you're not sure if that's how the entire administration feels and would go about defending Israel. And speaking to what you um, what you mentioned about my recent trip trip to Israel. Yes, I was there December to January uh, for a 12 day period. And as a matter of fact, as we speak, Ed, the Washington Times is trying to get me insured to send me over there now wow. in the first week of November for a couple of weeks to do some on-ground reporting, in part because of what you just mentioned about the the narratives that are coming out of Israel are being swayed and, and skewed by a leftist-leaning media who wants to draw moral equivalencies between terrorist groups like Hamas, right, and the Israelis. So we need some balanced reporting there that can show the truthful con- uh, context of history's right, to, uh, of Israel's right to exist, why they are not on occupiers and so forth. Well, and and uh, just uh, I've got about a minute, but um, on that point, uh, Cheryl, explain to our, our listeners and to me what you mean by that. I mean, when you're going over there as Washington Times, they have to basically go into a war zone, right? So there's you have to try to ensure. Uh, it, but, uh, by the way, I think ensure, E-N-S-U-E-R, your safety. But you mean ensure as in get <laughs> someone to cover because yes. if there's a the problem and, and that's not an insignificant uh, question, right? 
oh, no, that's the holdup, right? You, you have to get an insurance company to insure you. And that's why American flights uh, aren't going over there. It, you know, you, you can't go to Israel now on American, Continental, Delta, and so forth. Um, you, you, there's only a few flights that will actually go there. Um, but yes, if you look at the reporting that comes out from the BBC, atrocious, right? right they're constantly right. trying to present the Palestinian side, and they're showing the yeah. poor, blown, blown up families in, in Gaza. Well, they started this war, right? Yeah. Hamas started this war. Palestinians voted for Hamas. And I think that's a point that needs to be actually harped on. Well, more. Cheryl, I'm out of time, but let me just say this. They, 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 I know insurance companies, all they care about is money. So whatever the number is, that when they figure out Cheryl Chumley, we need like a million dollars. We should just do a give, send, go, because I would I, I would I would I would chip in to have your voice coming from Israel at this time. I'm being serious. I think that would be it. And you'd be very different in terms of your life experience and 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 understanding than, you know, some some uh, reporter whose job that's all they do. You're I think it'd be great. But I, I got to run, unfortunately. Thank you, Cheryl. Charlie, right. as always, we'll put up on social media links to her podcast. She's great. And uh, Washington Times is uh, great to have her. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast delivering a conservative pro-family perspective since 1983. As an author, speaker, and the founder of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Mrs. Schlafly spent an astounding 70 years in public service, protecting and defending the Constitution, the nuclear family, the unborn, and America's sovereignty. Following that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The liberal goal of gagging Donald Trump with the unwarranted indictments overlooks that the American people have their own First Amendment right to hear what Trump has to say. Trump's the front runner for president, and there's no free speech right more important than that of voters to hear the views of our future president. Yet Judge Chutkin, who presides over Trump's case in D.C., declared a hearing that, quote, the fact that the defendant is engaged in a political campaign is not going to allow him any greater or lesser latitude than any defendant in a criminal case, end quote. Ignoring the First Amendment right of Americans to hear from Trump, the judge said that Trump is going to have restrictions like every single other defendant. House Republicans should consider serving a subpoena on any judge or prosecutor who attempts to wrongly censor Trump while he campaigns. Representative Jim Jordan has this subpoena power as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, as do other Republican committee chairmen who should make this crisis their top priority now. Federal judges and prosecutors take an oath to abide by the U.S. Constitution, which includes several protections against muzzling Trump. The Qualifications Clause prohibits adding any new conditions on a candidate becoming president, while the First Amendment protects the right of a candidate to speak freely and the right of the American people to hear whatever he has to say. The aphorism that no one is above the law applies against prosecutors and federal judges, too. Defiance of a congressional subpoena by a judge can result in contempt, and for federal judges and prosecutors, it can result in impeachment. That may seem like a bold step, But it's no more bold than the Democrats who hijack our legal system to muzzle their most hated political adversary. In trying to condemn Trump for talking about election interference, they're making his words come true by interfering with another election. These judges and prosecutors should be held accountable for their destructive actions. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I promised you I would explain to you the very important uh, Phyllis Schlafly doctrine of military superiority. Here we are. Phyllis Schlafly wrote frequently about military superiority and the importance of military superiority. Sorry about that. My microphone just was slipping out. I think we're back. Yeah, there we are. Um, Sorry about that. Um, Phyllis Schlafly um, started her career as a public, um, I don't know, public uh, speaker and a political organizer. And she started in the 1940s. When a lot of the the American people, uh, especially that were into public life and politics, were obviously concerned about the Soviets and the communists, the Soviet communists, and how they were moving forward and threatening the world. And they were doing it in a very specific way. In fact, if you listen just a few minutes ago, our, my interview with Ken Raposa, we're talking about uh, China. China, China's communists um, certainly are nasty and they're terrible and they have to be opposed and understood. But they they're less militaristic, even as they build up their military, meaning they're not as showy. Uh, they want you to know they have a big military and they've certainly built it up, but they're in it for the, it looks like the long play. The, the, the communists, the Soviet communists were much flashier and more aggressive, how to say, and kind of, it was just a different personality of the people, the communists there. But here, be that as it may, Phyllis Schlafly in the 40s and 50s became a very well known speaker on the question of the strategic balance and the debate that was roiling the country was how should you balance uh, our need for a strong military and what we thought the Soviets, the communists were doing in the Soviet Union. And and the strategic balance was what is this balance? And there were people that said, oh, if you're just nice to the Soviets, we'll all get along. They'll become a friendly people and all. And then there was what would be called hardliners, uh, people that were like, no, 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 you can't, you can't trust those communists ever. And therefore, you know, you you have to be aggressive in 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 um, in um, in your posturing and, you know, and don't fall for the the effort. They lie to you and they say nice things and don't fall for it. And so over the years, Phyllis Schlafly developed this notion of military superiority. And I think she coined the term. She certainly uh, used it and, and, and fleshed it out. And she cited it back. She went all the way back to um, uh, George Washington, uh, who, who spoke about having a large military, a large army. He's a term army, large army that your, your uh, opponents and your friends could see. And so it was it wasn't just enough to have a big army. You needed them to see it. And that was uh, he talked about that in one of his uh, speeches. I should have pulled it up. I apologize that I didn't. Um, and but the point here is that military superiority, Phyllis would trace it all the way back uh, to George Washington. And importantly, she um, then came forward and said her her description of it was that you had to have uh a strong enough military it had to be militarily superior to your opponents and they had to know it that the important part was that they had to know it and the reason why is because people had to uh, have the ability to uh, uh to understand 
that you had that military superiority, but that they would have to be um, uh, be respectful of it. And, and the way Phyllis used to say it, I'm trying to find the actual language. She used to say, uh, your enemies needed to be fear you and your allies knew they could rely on you. And that was the key part of the of the doctrine was this notion of military superiority. And you can't shy away from it. And what we're watching, what we're watching in America is the the our military superiority slipping. And I'm not talking, be clear, I'm not talking about um, the idea of just um, of just uh, getting big to get big to fund the defense military. It's superiority. It's not military size. It's superiority. You have to build up the superiority so that you're better in every aspect. And here's where we get the rubber hits the road. Despite all the conversation with Ken Raposa about the buildup of the of the uh, military um, and uh, the Chinese. I will tell you that the real challenge in my mind is to build up our military superiority. And the place you have to look is towards space because he or she who has superiority in space, what nation, China or America, and those are really the two that are competing is going to be the one that are, is going to be the nation that has the most power, the ability to control really everything. And so when you say military superiority, I'm not just talking about better planes and better lasers and all that. I am saying all that, but I'm also saying looking down the field, Phyllis Schlafly wrote in the late 1950s about the need for Star Wars, became popularized as Star Wars, which was missile defense. She wrote about missile defense years, decades before anyone else came upon it. And when she did, it became something that was influential on a guy named Ronald Reagan, who, when he got into office, he decided that he was going to do something about it. And and so began his quest for a, a SDI strategic defense initiative. And so uh, the, the, uh, my point on this is that military superiority has to become something that we understand better than we do now. And it's right now we're losing it right now. We're losing it. Um, and we're not being clear on what the on what the reason that we want to have it is and that what why it's so important. So I'm going to spend some more time. I'm trying. I'm, I apologize. I'm trying to find uh, uh, the actual language of George Washington's speech. I, I'm sorry that I didn't have it up uh, in uh, in my um, in my uh, uh, in my notes before now, because it would have been good to show you. But we'll do it another time. But the point here is that military superiority is what we need to do. We need to change our mindset on it. Not by the way, it doesn't mean fight wars everywhere at all. In fact, the opposite. Don't fight wars everywhere so people can figure out what our weapons are and how we do things. That That's a bigger problem or a, a problem. But the reality is that we have to get militarily superior in every single way we can. And we have to be really smart about it. And we're not being smart about it. All right. We got to we got to go, though. Thank you, as always, to Mason Mohan, our producer, Ryan Hyde, especially for our producer and for filling in in the past uh, a week or so, filling in a number of times. Appreciate them both very much. We will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. <laughs> 